Well, if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, I want to invite you to open them to the Gospel of John. Today we're going to be in John 9, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John the fourth Gospel in the New Testament. And uh, if you are a guest or a visitor this morning, welcome in Christ's name. As Jeff said at the top of the service this morning, all summer long, uh, we are in this sermon series called Good Question. And the big idea behind this uh, sermon series this summer is you guys have questions about the Bible, about the Christian faith, about the Christian church, uh, about Jesus, about God, uh, about all sorts of things. And uh, many of you have submitted questions. And uh, so we're trying to address some of your questions this summer. And uh, if you still have a question and you haven't shared it with me yet, um, go ahead and send me an email, uh, uh, brian at myfaithlcmc.org, brian at myfaithlcmc.org. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about your favorite question, uh, the question of pain and suffering. Anyone excited about pain and suffering this morning? Yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, let, us, uh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for an opportunity to come to you this morning, to worship you, to serve you, and as Paul and Silas did, um, to just praise your name in the midst of uh, struggle, in the midst of heartache, uh, in the midst of pain and suffering. God, as we uh, open your word this morning and reflect on this familiar story, uh, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable. For you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the most common reason today uh, in America that people go to doctors is because of pain, right? Yeah, I mean, pain is actually 50% of all visits to the emergency room uh, are because someone is experiencing pain. Uh, some of you know that last summer, uh, my son and I were biking, and uh, I fell and, uh, into a culvert and broke several ribs as I lay in the ditch uh, for about 30 minutes after having the wind knocked out of me. I just lay there. I was in such excruciating pain. I I couldn't even stand up. I just sat there. Uh, and finally, uh, after some time, about half an hour, uh, Logan helped me stand up, uh, get to our vehicle. Um, he said, Dad, should we go to the ER? Nah, let's just go home. Shake it off. I'll be fine. We got home. Sitting down, uh, the pain got worse uh, to the point where uh, I couldn't stand up, uh, and I thought I was going to pass out, and I thought my wife would freak out, and it would just get worse. Uh, so I said, yeah, we better call 911. And so these two uh, fine young men showed up at our house, no sirens, uh, no lights. That was my request. We don't need to make a scene, folks. And uh, they helped me stand up and uh, went into the emergency room. Uh, and yeah, broken ribs, what do you do? You suck it up, right? It just, you live with it. And so uh, for several weeks last summer, I just sat there uh, day and night in a lazy boy chair, not doing much. Coughing uh, was really painful. Laughing was not funny at all. It was very, if you've ever broken ribs, it's, it's pretty miserable. It's uh, pretty deep, uh, just couldn't move uh, day and night. You know, about 25% uh, of Americans struggle with something called chronic pain. And I would imagine some of you today who are here, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, pain is a big issue in our society today. 
In fact, uh, according to uh, the uh, American uh, Journal of Science, uh, there are so many people uh, in our society today uh, that are dealing with pain that they've uh, established several different societies and journals, the international uh, 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 pain management. It's all about educating ourselves so how we can deal with pain. And there's American Pain Society here in the United States that helps folks to kind of navigate and, and wrestle through what does it mean uh, to be, uh, to, to, to deal with this pain? Because some of it, there's just not much you can do. Um, several years ago, uh, a guy by the name of Philip, there we go, uh, Philip Yancey wrote a book called, uh, Where is God When It Hurts? And this is what he wrote. If you were pinned against a wall in a dark secret moment, many Christians would probably admit that pain was God's one mistake. Would you agree with that? Pain, you know, God, you made the world so wonderful, so so amazing. But pain? Really, God? Wasn't that a mistake? I mean, for those of us who are Christians, we wrestle through this idea of pain and suffering. And it becomes an even bigger dilemma when we're talking to people who are not believers, people who are not Christians. And of course, the question goes like this. If God is so loving, if God is so caring, if God is so powerful, why does God allow pain? And it becomes a big barrier for so many people to believe in God and in Jesus. And this morning, I want to encourage you that God does not shy away from the topic of pain and suffering. In fact, the Bible is filled with all sorts of stories about pain and suffering. It's actually one of the major themes. And if you could read your Bible from Genesis through Revelation with a lens of pain and suffering, you would see that it comes up a lot. In fact, most of you know the story uh, in the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Job It's all about pain and suffering. And Job, of course, was a righteous man. He was a good guy. But he struggled with some of the most horrible, excruciating pain that any human being has ever dealt with. And for an extended period of time. And those of you who are reading through your Bibles, especially in the Psalms, you see that this this theme, this idea of pain and suffering, it comes up time and time again. Major theme in the Psalms. There's another book called Lamentations. It's all about wailing and crying. To lament is just to be sad. If you're looking for somewhere to go and just cry out to God, read the book of Lamentations. It's not a picker-upper book. But it's a real book about the human dilemma of pain and suffering. You know, Jesus was known as this, uh, a man of sorrow. He was a man who suffered greatly. And the Gospels don't sugarcoat it at all. Jesus dealt with a great deal of personal pain and suffering. And of course, Jesus spent his last few hours on the earth hanging on a cross, pain and suffering. We see this idea, this issue, this theme of pain and suffering over and over and over throughout the Gospels, throughout the New Testament, both Jesus dealing with it himself as well as dealing with so many other people around him. 
So this morning, we're going to look at just one story, uh, like I say, a familiar story uh, about pain and suffering, and I'm just calling this Four Thoughts About Pain, uh, taken from John uh, 9, uh, just 1 through 7. The story is much, much longer than that, uh, but we'll be here till about 4 o'clock this afternoon if we do the entire chapter, so we're going to just hit... One through seven. So I just want to give you four thoughts around pain that I think just kind of rise to the surface from these seven verses. And the first thought or or theme is uh, that pain produces questions. Pain produces questions. Let's begin the story in John 9, beginning with verse 1. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. So the story just begins, and already there's a, sur- a question that has arisen to the surface. And there's a blind man, and there's a dilemma on the side of the road. Now, in ancient times, blindness uh, was a lot more common than it is today. In ancient times, of course, uh, they didn't have modern medicine like we do today. And in ancient times, uh, they didn't have sunglasses, simple things like that. And in, in the Middle East, there was, it was dusty, and the sun was bright. And so people were just, uh, they were around the sun and, and the elements a lot. But of course, in ancient cultures, there was a great deal of poverty and disease and unsanitary conditions, which led to, frankly, a lot of blindness. Now, the story says that this man did not become blind, but he was blind from birth. And again, this was not an uncommon uh, thing to happen in ancient times for someone to be born blind at birth. Uh, Very likely, when this man was being born, there was a, a bacterium in the birth canal. And as this man was being born, there was bacterium in his eyes. And after a few days, his eyes would start to pus And within just a few days, three, four days, he would be completely blind. Today, if someone uh, was born and there was bacterium in the birth canal, a little erythromycin or something like that, right? A little bit of topical ointment on the eyes, and they'd be fine. But in ancient times, they didn't have medicines like we have today. And so this man was born blind from poverty and lack of uh, uh, sanitary conditions, And along comes this dilemma. Why is this guy blind? It's not even so much about the question of of why is this guy blind, but the question behind the question, if you will, is why is this man suffering? Why is this happening? Is it because of his sin while, while he was in utero? Or is it because his parents were sinners? Why is this man suffering? I think they just really named the question that people have wrestled with for generations, for thousands of years. Why is there so much sin and suffering in the world? If God is good, as you Christians say He is, why does He allow so much suffering? The theological term is called a theodicy. And it simply means, you know, how do we reconcile this idea of a good, loving, faithful God with the evil and the suffering that we see in the world? And, you know, we think to ourselves, you know, we we get suffering, kind of. 
But, you know, wouldn't it just make a whole lot more sense if, if it were the bank robbers who got the broken legs? Or the people who murdered others? Don't you think we should just, you know, they should get Parkinson's or something like that? Or people who cheat on their taxes? I think they would be good cancer candidates, don't you? Because then there would be some kind of celestial justice, right? Good people, bad things don't happen to them. Bad people, yeah, break their legs, all that stuff. But you and I know that's not how life works. And we know children, innocent people, good people who suffer pain, we ask ourselves, what is going on, God? If you are so good, how do you allow this to happen? It's a dilemma that we face over and over. You know, one of the great leaders of the church, um, just a generation ago, a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis, he fell in love late in life. And he married a woman uh, by the name of Joy Gresham. And throughout his life, C.S. Lewis is doing what he did, and he finally met someone who truly brought him great joy in life. But later, she got sick. And they weren't married that long, in fact. And Joy died of a disease. And it sent C.S. Lewis into a tailspin, and he really struggled with all, what all this meant. And so he wrote, meanwhile, where is God? There's this one of the most disquieting symptoms, but to go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is in vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. A great Christian leader, a man of extraordinary faith, and C.S. Lewis is writing about this acute pain and suffering in the raw. God, are you kidding me? I finally found the love of my life. And then she dies. Disease at far too young of an age. C.S. Lewis had to reconcile um, th this dilemma, this theodicy, if you will. And in time, he did come again to affirm the goodness and the loving nature of God. But in that moment when he lost his beloved joy, he was heartbroken and he wrestled with this question. Because pain produces questions. Number two, the world tries to explain the pain. The world tries to explain the pain. All sorts of ways. Before we uh, move on to the next, there we go. Um, as I think about the ways in which the world uh, tries to explain the pain, probably one of the most common ways is what we just read about, kind of this idea of, of causality, cause and effect, if you will. Who sinned? This man or his parents? There had to have been a reason, right? There's got to be a reason why this man is born blind, we hear this idea over and over, but we can think of all sorts of reasons, all sorts of people who are not necessarily sinful people, but struggle with pain and suffering. 
We can also think of, of kids especially. We can think of uh, people that we think of who are good. We ask this question, you know, what, what's the cause? It does, this, this doesn't make any sense. But the world asks this question and gives this, uh, this statement trying to justify or to explain pain. It's because of cause and effect. Second reason, uh, or second way that people try to explain pain is that they deny the existence of God. Well, there can't be a loving God, right? So there is no God. They just straight, you know, the whole, the Bible, it's a fairy tale. It's made up. Doesn't make any sense, right? So they just deny God. So there's a philosopher, a guy by the name of uh, David Hume. He wrote this, talking about, you know, this whole dilemma of pain. He says, how can you have an all-powerful, all-loving, benevolent God who would allow at the same time in the world he created the sheer volume of pain and deprivation to occur? That's what the philosophers say. Yeah, there's no God. I mean, that is the existence of pain and suffering proves that there is no loving God. Now, there's a, a, a more famous uh, atheist de jour uh, today. Uh, his name is uh, Richard Dawkins. Maybe you've uh, heard him or read a little bit about him. And, and, and this is what he writes uh, in a more recent book. He says this, In a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason to it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. Richard Dawkins says, everything is an accident. It's just all random. There is no God. Your life is an accident. That's you. You're an accident. It's another way to explain the existence of pain and suffering in the world. It's all just random. Third way that some people try to explain pain and suffering in the world is, okay, God exists. All right, God exists. But God's really not that strong. God's pretty weak. And this whole idea of, of, of God creating the world... But God can't handle all that's going on in the world was made popularized and famous by a, 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 a Jewish theologian, a guy by the name of Rab, Rabbi Harold Kushner. And several years ago, he wrote a book called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And as he's philosophizing and writing about why bad things happen to good people, this is what he writes. God would like people to get what they deserve in life, but he can't always arrange it. God has a hard time keeping chaos in check. Also in this book, he says we should feel sorry for God because he's just not that powerful. He's just not that strong. We need to pray for God. Poor God. He created the world. He just can't handle it, right? And so I got an image here I thought might help us to remember. There's God. Poor God. Let's just pray for God. He's not that strong. I mean, there's some people, you know, this is, that's why there's pain and suffering in the world. God just can't handle it. 
So those are a couple ideas. Maybe you've heard some other things as well, but let's move on. Uh, The third thought about pain from John uh, 9, uh, Jesus offers purpose in the pain. Jesus offers purpose in the pain. Let's continue. Um, uh, So the, the question is, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. And Jesus responds, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus says there's no cause and effect here, folks. There's actually purpose. There's actually a reason why this man was born blind. It's to give honor and glory and to draw people to God. And we hear about this and we think, okay, I kind of get it. Say more about this, Jesus. And the Apostle Paul clarifies this and talks about this in the New Testament book of Romans, Romans 8.28. Paul writes this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I mean, you're familiar with this verse, right? In the midst of pain, God can use even your pain for good. We think to ourselves, really? Even what I'm going through right now? In the moment, oftentimes our pain and suffering, we look at it, we experience, and we think, this is evil. This is not good. But down the road, we look back and we think to ourselves, that was good. In the moment, it was hard. In the moment, it was painful. But I can now see that God was good and he was there in the midst of it. Now, I'm not going to say that you will always down the road look back and go, yeah, that was good. You may spend the rest of your life looking at a situation that you're dealing with right now, whatever pain and suffering it is, and you might think to yourself, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years down the road, that was rough, that was horrible, that was awful. I still don't see how God used that situation for good. And so there is no promise in Scripture That as long as we walk on this earth, that we will see the good in whatever situation you're going through, whatever pain and struggle you might be experiencing right now. Now, you might, but there's no guarantee. But I do believe that someday, someday when we get to heaven as Christ followers, we'll remember those moments and go, ah, now I see. There were things at the time, and even for the rest of my life on this earth, that I just couldn't understand, but now I see. And that pain, that suffering, there was a purpose in it. And that's what Jesus is saying right here, right now, is that there is purpose in this man's suffering. And you're maybe thinking this morning, well, what in the world could be the purpose of my suffering, of my pain? I'm glad you asked. I want to give you just a couple uh, possibilities this morning. Number one, one of the reasons uh, how pain could help you uh, in this moment or throughout your life is it could help make you stronger. 
I mean, wasn't it the, the, the philosopher Kelly Clarkson who said, if it doesn't kill you, it'll make you stronger, right? And I think about the Old Testament uh, uh, prof, uh, man, uh, Abraham. When we first met Abraham, he wasn't much of a guy. He wasn't even a God follower. But over time... God put obstacle and challenges in front of Abraham. And over and over and over, over, his faith grew in God. And I think we can think about our own lives and the struggles, the challenges, the pain and suffering, and the ways in which those things have helped to make us stronger. Second uh, way that I think uh, the purpose, uh, uh, pain can help us uh, to find purpose is it helps to correct us. Pain helps to correct our behavior. And those of you who are parents understand this, frankly, if you're good parents, that when your child misbehaves, when they do something that they shouldn't be doing, we inflict a little bit of pain in their life, right? Whether it's time out, a swat on the bottom, whatever it might be, there's pain in the moment. We have to do that because we love our kids. We inflict a little bit of pain so that later on they will grow up to be healthy people in society. Kids who just get to grow up and do whatever they want and not experience any pain, they just get themselves in trouble after trouble after trouble. So, Parents, you get this, right? There's all sorts of biblical examples How people, they disobeyed God. God inflicted pain on their lives. The people are like, okay, God, we get it. Sorry. Let's try this again. Right? Pain helps us to correct our behavior when we need correction. Number three, pain uh, can also equip us. Pain can equip us to help others who are struggling, who are suffering. You know, nothing is worse than someone who has not dealt with pain and suffering to go and talk to someone else who is going through a hard time and looking at them and giving them advice, throwing out a Bible verse. I mean, it comes across as hollow, right? Nobody wants to hear that. Some of you know that uh, my wife and I, uh, we have a child who's disabled. Sometimes people ask me about our child who's disabled. And I, I don't talk a lot either from the pulpit or in person uh, with, our, uh, with many of you about our disabled child. Because here's what we've learned uh, through the years. Uh, there's a couple reactions, responses when we talk about our child who's disabled. People say the stupidest stuff uh, to us. I'm just trying to help you to not be stupid. Because then I'm going to get mad at you. And I'm going to want to punch you. Because you don't know what you're talking about. And I love you. So I'm just not going to talk about my daughter to those of you who, who don't know what it's like to have a child who's disabled. But I will tell you, there are a number of you in this congregation who've got disabled kids, disabled grandkids, Friends, and we talk. Because I've been equipped 
to talk about disabilities. And there is no pain like child, kid pain, right? So that's who I talk to about disabilities. That's what it means to be equipped. And oftentimes, some of you come to me and you share with me about your struggles. And I try really hard to not look at you and say, I know what you're feeling like. Because I don't. I don't know what it's like to lose a parent. I don't know what it's like to lose a spouse. I don't know what it's like to lose a child. There's a lot of things I don't know what it's like. I have not been equipped. So I'll listen to you. I'll pray with you. But I'm not going to pretend because I have not been equipped in so many different ways. And I think this is one of the beautiful things about the church in this room, every single person here has been uh, equipped for ministry in a particular way. You all have struggled with hardship, pain, and suffering. And that's why we need to be the church, people who are gathered together to help one another. Because the last thing you need is a pastor to look you in the eye and not really mean it when I say I know how it feels to be in your shoes. What you need is someone else who is a Jesus follower, who has walked in your shoes and faced down the struggles that you have faced. And this is why it's so important that these guys went to the discipleship conference this past uh, week ago. It's learning about not just, you know, kind of dabbling in discipleship, but it's truly about walking deep in discipleship. Walking the journey together. And when we go through pain and suffering, God equips us. There is purpose and meaning in that. The Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Paul is telling us that we suffer pain and struggle so that we can comfort others. That's how we are equipped. Number four, Jesus invites us to respond to the pain Verse 4, Jesus continues to speak, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am still in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came Home seeing. You know, oftentimes when we talk about this question of why is there pain and suffering in the world, we approach it from an academic standpoint. I mean, some of you, you went on college campuses, no offense, Doug, you get on college campuses and all of a sudden you got to get all philosophical about the meaning and purpose in life. Why is there pain and suffering in the world? And you, we approach it strictly academically or philosophically or even spiritually. Jesus says, you know what? That's fine. But let's deal with it practically. Jesus says, guys, let's stop talking about this. Let's roll up our sleeves and get busy. 
and respond to the pain and suffering. <laughs> then he makes some spit on the ground, makes some mud. The COVID police would be like, ooh, that's bad, right? No spitting, right? That's gross. We just were like, ah, spit, right? Jesus makes mud, puts it on the guy's eyes. I mean, that's just weird. It's gross. This is where ministry gets messy. In fact, uh, um, Stacy, there you go. I just, I grew up with uh, peanuts. That pig pen. This is ministry right there, pig pen. Because it's so much easier to deal with God and the big questions of pain and suffering uh, theologically, academically, philosophically. But Jesus, how he deals with it is in the practical. It's dealing with people. And how many of you know people are messy? It's so much easier to deal with pain and suffering in a philosophical, theoretical way. People are messy. It's awful being around people. They bring their mess and their mock to the conversation. So this morning, as we we think about, you know, what does it mean to deal practically with pain and suffering? I mentioned it a little bit, but there you go. It's... This is great. I, lo- I love getting together. Anybody else like to get together on Sunday morning for worship? It's good to see you guys catch up a little bit, touch base. But that's not what this text is talking about. And that's not what this means on Sunday morning to deal with pain and suffering. Truly dealing with pain and suffering doesn't happen in rows like this. It doesn't happen by tuning in online. Those are good things for sure. But how we really get at and help one another in our pain and suffering is to get just a handful of people in a circle, in a room, maybe in somebody's house, and we just kind of say, all right, let's talk. What's going on? And to really deal with our pain and suffering and struggle the world, and to get at the purpose of pain. I don't think there's any substitute for small groups. I don't think there's any substitute for relationships and connection. I don't think there's any substitute for grabbing a cup of coffee with someone, uh, another Christ follower, and just saying, hey, what's going on? What's going on in your life? What's really going on in your life? Because we like to talk about the weather and, you know, kind of all the niceties, right? But what's really going on in your life? Where are you suffering and struggling and looking each other in the eyes and praying for one another and doing life together deep? That's what this relational discipleship uh, is all about. That We're going to continue to explore how we can live this. You know, as I think about relational discipleship, this idea, the pain having purpose. It's a guy by the name of Paul Brand. Paul grew up in India, and when he became an adult, that's Paul on the right, he was a medical doctor. He went back to India, and he worked with people who had leprosy. 
And Paul Brand was kind of on the front end of really understanding uh, what is going on with leprosy. And one of the things that Paul Brand uh, really came to, to realize and to share with the medical community is that leprosy is not necessarily that they have people who have leprosy have bad skin. In fact, in many ways, people with leprosy have every bit as healthy of skin as you and me. But the issue with leprosy is the nerve endings that they cannot feel uh, pain in their lives. And so as people who have got this disease called leprosy, as they go through life, they can easily put their hand over the fire and burn their hand, and they're just like, I don't feel that. They can easily stab themselves uh, uh, with, with whatever, and it gets infected, and they never felt the pain of a pinch, of, of, of a stick, or whatever it might be, a sharp object. And Paul Rand, uh, Brand wrote a book uh, several years ago, uh, just kind of sharing just one anecdotal story uh, while he was in India. So he went into this room, and uh, he, there was a little four-year-old girl Uh, who had leprosy. And the mother explained to him that when she was born, she was fine. Everything was good. She was a cute little girl, uh, normal like everyone else. But when she was about two years old, she walked into this little girl's room. And this little girl was painting on the floor. And the mom looked down and realized that she was not painting that she had actually bit off the tip of her finger and she was drawing on the floor in blood. And she had no idea that she had bit off the tip of her finger. And that's what's going on with people who suffer with this disease called leprosy. They don't feel pain. Can you imagine going through life not feeling any pain? How many of you would like to live a life with no pain? Gotta think about that now, don't you? Because when we don't live a life with pain, it's much like leprosy. We experience all sorts of conditions. We don't pay attention to them. We get hurt and wounded and disfigured. You know, I think there's a modern-day leprosy that we here in America deal with. We refuse to listen to the pain in our own bodies. Think about all the professional athletes who ignore the pain in their bodies or who take all sorts of prescription drugs so that they can keep playing over and over and over until they are completely disabled and oftentimes die at a young age. If you read the news this week at all, there's this story about Britney Spears. It just will not go away. Because here is a young woman whose parents tried to protect her from all the pain. And it just goes on. And now here she is, a full-grown adult. And it's playing out in the news media. And we can think of all the other people who have tried to deal with pain in their lives to cover it up through drugs, through alcohol, Kurt Cobain, Prince, Michael Jackson, several others that I ran across on the internet this past week, Jimi Hendrix, Whitney Houston, Elvis, 
and maybe those of you who have lived longer than me, Hank Williams, all these folks who tried to numb themselves because of the pain in their lives. See, we've still got leprosy today. It's the drugs, the alcohol that numb so many of us because the pain hurts. And oftentimes, I haven't been a part of uh, AA or NA or some of these recovery groups, but what I hear is it's not just the pain that they're trying to numb, but it's, it's the ways in which they inflict pain on others around them. That's where the pain goes. And oftentimes it's the pain of loved ones who look at the person who's trying to cover up the pain in their lives and they say, you know what? You, you think you're hurting yourself, but you're really hurting me. You're really hurting the kids. You're really hurting our family. It's the gift of pain that helps so many people deal with their addictions and their numbness and their, their heartache and their struggle. It's the gift of pain that helps them to actually get help because they're hurting. Pain is a gift. God has given us this gift of pain. I want to close by sharing a, a parable. Once upon a time, there was a little plant, small, stunted, growing under the shade of a broad oak tree. This little plant valued the shade that covered it and the rest, its noble friend, the oak afforded. But one day along came a woodsman with his razor-sharp axe and he cut down the oak tree. The tiny little plant wept and cried, My shelter has departed and the rough winds will blow upon me and the storms will uproot me. Nonsense, said the woodsman. Now the sunshine will reach you, and now the rain can fall on you in more in abundance than ever before, and your stunted frame will spring up. That's God's plan for pain, growth like never before, to help us to grow up, to grow up in Christ, to serve and help one another. And so I know as parents, we look at our kids, and most of us, myself included, we don't pray for pain on our kids, right? We don't pray for pain on our spouses. We don't pray for pain for ourselves. But pain is a gift. And we lean into that gift. We can draw closer to God and we can help one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of pain, the gift of suffering, Lord, which is so much a part of our world and our society. God, I don't like it. I don't know anybody who likes it, but it's everywhere and all around us. So God, as we wrestle through, what does it mean to be Christ followers, people who deal with the pain. God, help us to be more like Jesus, to stop yakking about it, 
and start doing something about it. Responding to others. God, there are so many people hurting in this world today. God, we're hurting in this world today. So Lord, help us to stop ignoring it and deal with the pain in our lives and those around us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.